Man, we're talking about following God today. And you know, I don't pick the songs, but it's on very rare and special occasions, but the Holy Spirit helped Cody pick the songs today. Huh? And you know, we have all kinds of excuses. Excuses, excuses, excuses. You hear them every day why we don't serve the Lord. So, uh, Daniel, uh, put up the, uh, the bridge to the first song that we sang. Give me a phrase up there. And it was, he turns graves into gardens. Now, I'm not talking about a, a physical grave, but maybe there's something going on in your house, or maybe somebody you love left you. Go ahead and bury that, and let's build a garden today. Hmm? What's the next phrase? You turn bones into armies. Come on. You know what that's found? That, they, that the, God took the prophet out, and there was just a bunch of dead people that had died along, and nothing but bones left. And he said, Son of man, speak to these bones. Maybe there's some bones in your house or in your life that you need to start speaking to and tell it to come back alive. Yeah, don't sit there like you don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe a dream that you've quit dreaming that God's called you to do. And, and you know, just because the devil slapped you and you got a bruise don't mean that you quit. Amen. We keep pushing forward because we're the children of God. Amen. Look at the next phrase. You turn seas into highways. Man, do you know there's currents in the ocean? Huh? How about there's currents in the wind, and it's blowing you, and God's trying to get you in the place where he's called you to be? Huh? You're not following. You're, you ever seen somebody try to fight the wind? Somebody swim against the current? A lot of times we fight God, don't we? We got to follow God. Let's just dig in right quick. Y'all ready? Luke 9, 23 through 25 is our foundation scriptures. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Teach us, Holy Spirit. Guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Then he said to all of them, I'm sorry, that Louisiana came out right there. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What, for what profit is it to, for a man to gain the whole world and himself be destroyed? Let's go back to the first verse there. In verse 23, he said, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Question of the day, can you follow Jesus? And the answer is yes. Because you have the Holy Spirit to help you. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be your guide, to be your comfort, to be your helper. And he is, he's here right now. He lives on the inside of you, Christian. And if you're not saved, if you ask him to come into your life, the Holy Spirit will come inside you, baptize you into the body of Christ. You'll be a child of God. And then Jesus will in turn baptize you into the Holy Spirit. Hey. And in the midst of all that, you're supposed to get baptized in water. Hey, hey, you're supposed to be immersed in God and God in you. 
In the Old Testament, he rested on them. In the New Testament, he's on the inside of us and he can come on us. Nod your head. Yep. And maybe you haven't ever felt God come on you. Well, we're going to talk about that today a little bit. But I want you to know the question today, can you follow Jesus? What does it mean to take up your cross? Have you ever thought about that? Take up my cross. Am I supposed to be carrying a cross around? The cross is whatever's in your life that keeps you from Jesus. The trouble. You know what? Last year, uh, everybody thought we was in big trouble because there was no more toilet paper. We thought we was in a bind. Some people almost lost their salvation over it. I'm making fun. But hear me. As I look in the house right here, in our church house right here, and as I look at the Word of God, nobody had it easy. But you don't know what I've been through, Pastor. Yeah, it don't matter. Jesus has been through it all. He bore it all. He made a way where there seems to be no way. Matter of fact, if there was no way, he makes a way. And so we're going to look and see the Old Testament is types and shadows of Jesus and what he's done for us in the New Testament. I don't know if you notice in Psalms 103, we start off with our confession, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. And you know, I put Jesus in there. A lot of people kind of get upset about that. But it is a prophetic, it is a messianic scripture of what Jesus has done for us. He forgives all our sins. He heals all our diseases. He redeems our life from destruction. Come on. And, and, and if you are destroyed, your life is still a witness. Okay. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I know it's tough because when you start talking about carrying your cross, everybody's like, oh, Lord, I don't want to have to carry that. No, you're carrying it anyway. You're carrying troubles anyway and fears and worries and all these things, bruises. Okay. We do. So really, to, to carry your cross means to die to yourself. God's way is better. Surrender to God. Not your way, but his way. Obey daily. Follow the teachings of Jesus. That's what it means to take up your cross. That's the hardest thing is to die to ourselves and do what Jesus said. And when you start doing what he said, though, I'm going to prove to you the blessing. The favor comes on your life. See, Christianity is not a religion. It's a way of life. It's not a religion. It's a way of life. It's what we live. You know, uh, some people said, you know, well, I have daily prayer, or do you pray daily? Some people pray daily. Some, some people just live a life of prayer. That's where you, we need to go, church. We want to live, a, a, we're just talking to God all the time. And if something comes up, we're ready. If you got a quiet moment, you need to be talking to God. You know, cut that music off that ain't, you know, it's getting your mind off, or the TV will get your mind off of God. I'm telling you, the world has a pool. And man, they'll use drugs, alcohol, sex, and everything to sell potato chips. They don't care. All right, let me get off my box some. Jesus is the center of it all, Christian. Jesus at the center of it all. Let's look at number one. 
We're going to look at three characters in the Old Testament. Yeah, they, they were mighty men of God, but so are you. You are mighty women and uh, men of God. You just, haven't, you just haven't stepped into it yet. You, you've taken a, a couple of steps, and some of y'all are like this. You put your foot in the water and just test in the water. See if it, whew. Lord, you know, we just get to the point where we just need to dive in. We just want to dive in today. We want to dive in and let God have his way. So, so here we go. Here we go. Daniel's commitment. Daniel was committed to God. And, you know, I, I look at his commitment and, and his life. Uh, he went through some stuff. As a teenager, he's captured. Uh, he's taken to a foreign land. And he's retrained. For three years, they trained him and his uh, friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were trained for three years to learn the king's language and other languages. They were taught about culture, and they took their culture and see the, what the king did is he took the best of every nation he conquered, the best young men, smartest and brightest, but he also took their culture, their food, the way they lived, they learned about how they lived. And he said, you know what? We need that in our kingdom. King wasn't a dummy, was he? Nebuchadnezzar was not. But Daniel was retrained. But Daniel committed himself to God, even living in a foreign land, even as a captive. He submitted to God and he said, you know what? I'm serving God here just like I would if I was at home. Amen. Hmm? He said, I'm going to serve God. And so, so the, the, the man over all these young men, uh, they brought him the king's food. You know what the king had to eat? He had meat and donuts. Y'all ever had a donut hamburger? You ever seen one? Yeah, you think it's nasty, but, you know, probably pretty good. I had had one. That's what the king served. Is it good for you? No. You know donuts will kill you? You know why you keep eating them? Because they don't kill you right then. Okay. <laughs> and so Daniel said, we're not eating, I'm not eating that stuff. Me and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're not eating this stuff. We're going to dedicate our lives to God. We just want vegetables. And the guy over him was sweating bullets like, wait a minute, wait a minute. If y'all get sickly and weak, it's going to be my fault and it's my head. Daniel said, you just come back and test us. And he came back, and they, they looked better than the rest of the guys. But his commitment was to God. And if you read the whole story of Daniel, he committed to God every area of his life. He bowed and prayed three times a day toward Jerusalem. Daniel was even, you know, you say, well, pastor, you don't know. I was raised in witchcraft. I have all this going on. I have all that. Daniel was in the midst of the witchcraft. That was part of their culture. But guess what? God exalted him and put him over those cats. And they didn't like him because he had favor. He had the favor of God on his life. They set him up. Do you know the story? And, and they took him to trial. They found him guilty. The king was mad. And what they do? Threw him in the what? The lion's den. And God shut the mouth of the lions. You talking about favor? You know that you cannot stop a lion if it wants to get you unless you got something with some gunpowder. A lion will cut, pick you up and run off with you. 
and carry you for miles. Well, they must, and I've heard people try to talk away the miracle. Well, they probably just wasn't hungry. Well, the guys who accused Daniel, they were sure enough hungry when they dropped them in there. Come on. But yet, yet we look at our lives and we look at all the trouble in our house and all the things that are going on. You haven't been made a slave and a servant to a foreign land. I'm telling you, it's time to show up your commitment today to be like Daniel. Daniel 1.8, Daniel made his mind that he would not defile himself. In verse 9, God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander. Isn't that cool? In verse 17, he said, these four... God gave them knowledge and intelligence of every kind of literature and expertise, and Daniel understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Do you know he interpreted the king's dream? Man, it was prophetic about the future. The king's dream. God can give you a dream. It doesn't have to be in sleep. God can give you an idea. God can give you a vision that changed things. Do you know all, I, I believe all the inventions belong to God, come from God, but men use them for wickedness or turn them. As I've told this story before, but there's a man, and he's in his 90s, but he worked on the B-2 bomber, and they were going to shut the job down. Do you know if there was a 1,000 people about to lose their job, don't you think God cares? So he began to pray and fast. It was an electrical problem. He was not an electrical engineer. But God gave him a dream, and he wrote it all down. And he took it to the electrical engineers. You know what they said? Get out of here. You don't know nothing. He said, just look at it. He's got a patent on it today. The government has it, but it's still his patent. Once they release it, it becomes his. God gave him that. And you think, well, I'm not smart. Neither was he. He wasn't an electrical engineer. But God gave Daniel all kinds of intelligence and all kinds of things. Not that he knew it on his own, but God gave it to him as he needed it. He just sought God every day. But when we don't seek God, we go, well, I can't do that. I'll never do that. Our family's never been able to do that. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Well, you got it on the wall probably. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a good saying, but we don't believe it. It's time that we believe the Word of God. See, God's Word is His will. It is His way. And I'm going to let you know a little secret. Jesus is perfect doctrine. Yeah. So if you look at what He said and what He did, it's perfect. But we're supposed to be an imitator of God. We're supposed to be like Jesus. So after the three years, in verse 19, the king talked with them, and out uh, of them all, one was found. No one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, which is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they entered into the king's personal service. And I want you to look at their life. Daniel was about excellence too. God put him in charge of some things. Here's the question. Is your life about you or about God? Let me back up just for a second. You know, praying all the time. Do you know that, that, that Paul wrote in the New Testament that you should pray without ceasing? But don't you know he knew you had to work? Cook meals, wash clothes, go to work. That's what he's talking about. Your life's about God and you're seeking God even while you're working. 
whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or a mechanic or whatever, you're still, you're doing your job, but you're about God as you go. Amen, amen? amen. Come on, it's easy. We make it hard. What, well, I'm supposed to get on my knees and three times a day I'm supposed to, oh, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You just walk and talk to God. You can walk and talk to somebody else. You can walk and talk to God. Let's go to number two, Joseph's resolve. Look at Joseph's life. Oh, boy. We're going to bounce in your notes. We'll just bounce down through uh, his life real quick, and I'm going to show you some things. You know, Joseph was a slave and in prison for 13 years at least. A slave and in prison for 13 years. Innocent. Well, not quite totally innocent. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Brett? Well, if you look at your notes, it said Joseph was favored. In Genesis 37, 3, by who? His daddy. Uh-oh. And then if you read along in verse 4, Joseph tattletailed on his brothers. Uh-oh. You old punk coming up here tattletelling on me. Man, he was just a little bit cocky too because he had a dream that everybody bowed down to him and he told it. Okay, there's a lesson right here. Got to give you an idea, a plan, a dream, a vision for your life. Don't you tell it. You hold it. If you're going to tell it, you better tell it to somebody that's going to say, yes, you can Some of the greatest revivalists and, and ministers, and uh, they got a dream from God, and they told people, and said, oh, you can't do that. You'll starve out. And they didn't go. One was Lester Summerall. You can't go. You don't have any money. You'll starve out and die. He goes, well, put on my tombstone. Here lies Lester Summerall, who starved out serving God. We're not going to do that. Because people don't, don't have the faith that you have for your vision. Because God gave it to you, not to them. If he'd given it to them, they would be doing it. Come on. So find the scriptures to back the dream that you have. Then I can give you a bunch of them. I used to drive to work saying it, that I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out. That God blesses what I put my hand to. I'm putting my hand to whatever construction or construction equipment that I'm selling or radio that I'm selling or whatever I have to sell. Because they come up with some new product, they dumped it on me. Ah. So now I got to learn something new. But I am able. And I was successful. Because I prayed over it. I asked God for wisdom and for help. I just can't do that. I'm not doing that. Boy, I, I've run into so many people. I'm not doing that. Why not? It'll make you wealthy. And, you know, we equate wealth to money. But how about the peace of God, the favor of God, the joy of God? Come on, and money too. Come on. So Joseph, Joseph was hated in gen by his brothers. They was hated. You know, somebody said that coat of many colors. You know he had a coat of many colors? That was the birthright. That God had already just tagged him to get the birthright. Because, see, he was the oldest from one of the mothers. <laughs> Jacob had four wives. Or two wives and come on. 
So there was four older brothers, but he tagged Joseph because Joseph was the favored one. Look at see, Joseph was sold as a slave for 20 pieces of silver. That's because he was under 20. If he was over 20, it had been 30 pieces of silver. But his brothers, his brothers, they hated him so much they were going to kill him. And then one brother said, let's sell him. Look, there goes a caravan. Let's sell him as a slave. He was sold as a slave. But in Genesis 39, see, he was bought by Potiphar, and he was put as a servant in the house, but he was so conscientious and so God-conscious, and he did everything with excellence because he served God instead of Potiphar. God said, you know, I'm going to make you head of my house. Favor of God came on him because he was working for God and not for Potiphar. That's the key. You don't work for Bobo, Tim. You work for God. You don't work for, for whoever you work for. Let's start working for God. And then watch God exalt you. And they'll go, well, how come you got a raise and we didn't? I serve God. You're serving God. And then Potiphar's wife came after him. Don't think that people aren't going to be jealous of you or come after you or desire you to pull you down. Don't be like, oh, I can't believe they did that. I might as well quit. Well, I'm quitting. Did God say quit? You don't move till he says quit. One of the worst jobs I ever took, and I was led by God, and they was mean. I literally had a foreman come up to me and stand over me and said, you're a Christian, huh? So if I slap you on the cheek, you going to turn the other cheek? And I told him, No. I'm going to defend myself. Well, Pastor Brett, you're supposed to be a Christian. Jesus told his disciples, when you go, he said, take a knife and a sword because there's enemies out there. He sent them out one time without it to prove God can protect them, but he also said, have some wisdom. Come on, if I was witnessing to him and he hit me, then I would let it go. But him just come up and want to threaten me? Uh-uh. I'm going to walk out. I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to walk away from it. But you come on. We got to have some wisdom. But if I'm witnessing to him, I told him, I said, if I was witnessing to you, I said, I would turn the other cheek. But you coming up to threaten me? Come on. I'm supposed to defend myself. It has nothing to do with being a Christian. It's talking about living. But if I'm being a witness to God and I'm sharing Jesus with him and he punched me in the face, it's all right. I planted a seed. There's a difference, y'all. Come on. We, we kind of think, well, we're supposed to be meek. Meek is not weak. Amen. Meek is not weak. And so we, we want to follow God. And look at Potiphar's wife came against him, and he finally said in Genesis 39, 9, put that one on the screen for us, that, that uh, there is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept anything back. Talking about Potiphar, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He, was, he said, I got to keep myself for God. Can we say that? I'm going to keep myself from, for God. And I'm talking in business. I'm talking about it with your family. I'm talking about it with your children. I'm talking about everything is you got to keep yourself from God because wickedness is out there. Nobody's looking. You can steal that, that pallet. People have thoughts. And then Joseph was sent to prison. 
And the Bible says at least two years. But even in prison, the favor of God came on him. They put him in charge of the prison because he had excellence. He had an excellent spirit because he served God. Notice the key. Daniel served God. Joseph serves God. God rises you up to the top when you follow him and you serve him. Then the butler and the cook had a dream. And they said, well, we don't have anybody to interpret these crazy dreams that we have. And Joseph said, don't dreams belong to God? And the interpretation belongs to God. And he sought God, and God gave him the interpretation. One would be killed, and one would be restored. And the one that was going to be restored, he said, remember me. I'm in here, but I'm innocent. And the butler was so excited to be back in the palace, he forgot. You ever been forgotten? Looked over? Hmm? We all have. But God has not forgotten you. And God always remembers you. The Bible says that you are the apple of his eye. That our God is so big that you can be the apple of his eye. That you can be his favorite. Oh, I, I'm his favorite, but so are you. Amen. We're all his favorite, and he has not forgotten you, and he has not, not listened when you cried out to him, right. when you prayed. He knows. He hears. But guess what? God's not moved by emotion. God's moved by faith. God's move that when you trust in him and adhere to him, even when everything's going harsh, everything's going wrong. Then the butler did remember because Pharaoh had a dream. You remember his dream? The cows, fat cows, skinny cows. Sounds like a TV commercial. And he said, I know a man who interpreted my dream. He goes, he's in prison, and I've forgotten him. And his name is Joseph. And Joseph was brought before the king. And what happened? He interpreted it, and guess what? Immediately, not only did he interpret the dream, he knew what to do. Start saving and storing up. And so he, he was placed second in command. Hey, side note. You know, they shaved him before they brought him before Pharaoh. Anybody know why? It's crazy. Because everybody had lice. I'm talking the Pharaoh shaved. His wife shaved. They wore wigs. But hear me. Joseph was brought and made second in command because he interpreted the dream. Now, I want to say this. A lot of times, and I've heard whole sermons preached on it, and I understand it, and I get it, that God had them sell Joseph as a slave, and that God put him in prison, that God put him in that place, that God put him in that place and raised him up. But I don't particularly agree with that. Yes, God did bless him because he served God, and he followed God, and he put God first. But you know what? He could have followed God and put God first living in his daddy's house. Do you hear me? And Pharaoh could have had a dream, and nobody said, we can't interpret this dream. 
Well, then he said, you go to the east, and you go to the north, and you go to the south, and you go to the west, and you go find somebody that can interpret this dream. And they could have rolled up in their chariots and said, hey, you got anybody around here that can interpret a dream? And Joseph said, I can. And they load him up in the, in the chariot, and they ride him back and stand him before Pharaoh, and he interprets the dream. I'm just saying. You ever thought about it like that? I mean, that's why they have American Idol. They call people together and find out who can sing. They go around and they can find who can interpret the dream. Daniel could have been in Israel and they could have went and got him to interpret the dream. But we want to glorify all the hardship. Forget your hardship. Do not put it ahead of God. My point is, as you serve God, God will exalt you. And I don't care if you are going through hardship. I'll go th there's nobody, there's no house in here. That, that you, we don't go through hardships and trouble, but we're putting God first. Amen. But you know what? Even when we're on top, we can expect God to give us favor. Let His grace be on us. Let's go to the third one. Uncle Moses. Moses had faith. Moses' faith. Yeah, he was a great man of faith. But look at Moses. Moses had favor, even as a baby. They put him in a basket, hoping that he would get saved, that he wouldn't drown. He had favor. Moses was raised in Pharaoh's house. He was taught. Hmm. He was very well educated. You know that they found out that the Egyptians knew the world was round, and then you come up with Columbus, and everybody's telling him the world's flat, and you ain't going to make it. You're not going to make it. They had wisdom. They built the pyramids. They still hadn't figured out how to do that. But even with all Moses' education, he still was short on self-esteem. Matter of fact, he aggravated God with his self-esteem. But here's the deal. Moses knew the plan. I'm the deliverer. I'm the deliverer. I'm an Israelite. I, I was raised in Pharaoh's house, but see, his mama breastfed him probably till he was five and taught him all the stories, and that you're an Israelite, that you're a Jew. And one day he decided, you know what? I'm going to take my place. I'm going to do this. And he goes out and he sees an Egyptian whipping one of his people. He took it into his own hand, and he killed the Egyptian. Buried him in the sand. The next day, one of the, the Jews said, well, well you're going to kill us too. They were fighting. He goes, don't fight. He goes, what you going to do, kill us like you did that Egyptian? And Moses booked it, got out of town, ashamed. But you know God didn't call him being shameful or guilty. You know, that's the great thing about God. How, how you think yourself, uh, uh, um, uh, whatever you think, I've been in prison. So a lot of y'all in prison in your mind. Uh, whether you've been divorced in prison or you've been a drug addict or you've been, God calls you redeemed. Amen. Do you know David uh, had a man killed so he could get his wife? Nod with me, yeah. Do you know that Jesus was called the son of David? Even after that happened? Come on, there's forgiveness in God. Come on, God, God just washes all your sins away. God washes your past away. You're the one that has to for, forget it. Yes. 
And so I'm going to read this in Hebrews 11 and verse 24. Listen to what it says about Moses. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the temporary pleasures of sin. Being in Pharaoh's house, you got access to everything you want. And don't let your mind wander because that's exactly what he was able to do. Sin. Verse 26, considering the reproach of Christ greater than the riches than uh, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Wait a minute. Moses didn't know Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. God spoke to Moses. Jesus is in that spoken word. Now I'm going to stop right there. Leave that scripture up there. For he looked for uh, uh, to the reward. What reward? The reward of eternal life. The reward of knowing God. The reward. And here's the challenge I'm going to lay out real quick. When Moses left, he went into the wilderness, into the desert, didn't he? And he was there how many? 30, 40 years. But what changed him? He was working the sheep, looked up on the mountain. So you take a ride on 4th Street, and you can look up that sand mountain up there, and there's a fire up there, and there's a bush on fire. But yet it's not burning. There's no smoke. He goes, I'm going to go see this. And he went up and had a conversation with God. You need a burning bush experience. And you can have one. You don't have to have a burning bush in your yard. You have the Spirit of God, and you need to know that you know that you know that you know God. You've got the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And if you've never felt the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, then you need to make an appointment with me and let us come reason together over the Word of God and let me pray with you. Because it needs to be real. And it needs to be real daily. You know why preachers fall? Because it's not real to them daily. Just a man. But it has to be real to me daily. It has to be real. It ha I have to know. Could, could I stand and say, you know what? I'm going to serve Jesus no matter what. Yeah, because he's been real to me. Moses had that experience in that burning bush, and he didn't look back. Oh, yeah, he did. He, you know, you think, well, he had it made. He went back, and, man, God used him with all those plagues and all that, and they crossed the Red Sea. No, you don't know. He had trouble. He had three million gripers and complainers that he was leading. Three million. That's a rough estimate. could have been more. There were 600,000 men who could fight. 600,000 men who were married to 600,000 women who had how many children? They didn't have one, two. At least three million people that Moses got to lead, got to make sure they eat, got to make sure they get water. And they're going, I wish we were slaves. I, I, it's so tough out here. I wish we had slaves. They didn't even have to work for food. Just saying, Okay. 
So, because he was looking for a reward. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. See, God said he didn't fear the wrath of the king, for he, was pres he persevered as though seeing him who was unseen. He saw God in that burning bush. Could have been Jesus, could have been an angel, but he heard the voice of God. Angels only speak what God tells them to speak. That's how you judge if it's an angel or if it's somebody, something else. But here's, a, here's one point I want to show you. Moses knew the plan, and he took the plan and put it in his own hand. He messed it up. And I know people in this room, and myself included, there's some things that I've taken into my own hands, and I have messed it up. But God, but God, it doesn't matter if you've messed it up or if you jacked it up or you did something wrong, God can fix it, and God can restore you. But too many think, well, I messed up. I, I had a lady tell me that, that uh, years back that God can never use me anymore because I, uh, he used to use me all the time, but I've been divorced. And I went, ah, wrong answer. God loves you. And God wants to use you. I told a story last Sunday night about a preacher who preached his best sermon. He's on a dirt street in 19, probably 25 or something like that. And, he's and people shouted, got saved, and he's walking down the sidewalk, a board sidewalk. We're talking, you know, cowboy days. And a drunk comes out with two beer bottles in his hands and said, say hallelujah, preacher. And got in his face, say hallelujah, preacher. And that preacher said hallelujah and took those beer bottles and beat him down. And he left his wife and his family and everybody and said, God can never use me again because I have sinned. Left his wife, went to California, started working, but God wouldn't leave him alone. God wouldn't leave him alone. He kept calling him, come on back, come on back. And I want to tell you, if you've messed it up, God's calling you to come on back, come on back. And finally, one day, he called a preacher. Then he found a phone book and looking for a church, and he called the preacher and said, Listen, I've messed up, and I know I've sinned, and I'm going to hell, but God won't leave me alone. And the preacher said, Well, we've learned a whole lot since you learned that, that God is a God of forgiveness. Amen. And you know what? God restored his whole family and even put him back as preacher. My point is God wants to restore you and restore everything that you think the enemy has stolen. So we must learn to follow. And I got a story that I want to read. Maybe you've heard it before, but I'm going to read it real quick. About 150 years ago, there was a great revival in Wales. And as a result of this, many missionaries came to the northeast uh, India to spread the gospel. The region known as Assam was compromised or excuse me, was comprised of uh, hundreds of tribes and they were primitive and some were aggressive headhunters. Into these hostile and aggressive communities came a group of missionaries from uh, America spreading the message of love, peace, and hope in Jesus Christ. Naturally, they were not welcome. One missionary succeeded in converting a man and his wife and two children and the man's faith proved contagious. Is your faith contagious? The man's faith proved contagious, and many villagers began to accept Christianity. Angry, the village chief summoned all the villagers uh, together. He then called the family who had first converted 
uh, to Jesus, and he had them to renounce their faith in public or face execution. Renounce Jesus or you're going to die. That's what he told this man and wife and his two sons. Moved by the Spirit, the man said, I've decided to follow Jesus. Enraged at the refusal of the man, the chief ordered his archers to arrow down the two children. As both boys lay twitching on the floor, the chief asked, Will you deny your faith? You have lost your children. You will lose your wife too. But the man replied, Though no one joins me, still I will follow. The chief was beside himself with fury and ordered his wife to be arrowed down. In a moment, she joined her two children in death. Now he asked for the last time, Will you give? I will give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and live. In the, face of, in the face of death, said the final memorable lines, memorial lines, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, and he was shot dead like the rest of his family. But with their deaths, a miracle took place. The chief who had ordered the killings was so moved by the faith, he wondered why should this man, his wife, two children, die for a man capital M man who lived in a faraway land on another continent some 2,000 years ago. There must be some remarkable power behind this family's faith. I too want to taste that faith. And in a spontaneous confession of faith, he declared, I too belong to Jesus Christ. And when the crowd heard this from the mouth of their chief, the whole village accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So you know that's where the song came from. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Don't none go with me. Still I will follow. Once you close your eyes this morning, nobody looking around, I want you to make that commitment to God. Christian, if you're here and you want to make that commitment to God, you need to rededicate your life to God. Today's the day. You need to do that. Just wave your hand at me. Say, Lord, I'm committing. You, God's watching. He knows your heart. He sees you. I see that hand, that hand. Come on, I see your hands up all around. Now you can put your hands down just for a second. Maybe you're here today and you have never given your heart to Jesus. Oh, he died so you could give your heart to him. He died just for you. And if you're here today and for the first time you want to give your heart to Jesus, would you lift your hand and say, yes, that's me, Pastor Brett. I want to follow him. I want to give my life to him. That's you. Come on, just lift your hand. I'm waiting. Just looking. All right, let me talk to the Christians in the house. Some of you raise your hand, but some of you still need to make that commitment. You know, it's not that you're backslidden. It's not that you're not saved, but you haven't been following Jesus. You haven't given him your all. Man, there are some things that you know the inside and out, like a car engine or a gun that you shoot or a football game or how to play it. You need to start chasing God and know his word inside out to be a follower of Jesus, to take up your cross, but to put his word first in your life. 
I know his word has prolonged people's lives even in the midst of this COVID. I know his word has changed people and their thinking, have made people productive, successful. His word will change you. He'll give you favor. And you have got to be a chaser of the word of God and the spirit of God, Christian. That's what this whole service is about. It's, for, it's time for us to step up because there's a revival coming. There's a change coming in the earth. And you know who God's going to use? The people who know his word and can be led by his spirit. And so you got to have both because you'll get off one without the other. So everybody lift your hands just for a second and say this with me. Say, Father, I commit my life to you, fresh and new. I need that fire, that burning bush fire in my heart, in my life. Forgive me, Lord, where I have come short. I'm giving my life to you today, fresh and new. Thank you, Father, for your spirit and for you accepting me. In Jesus' name.